Hello and welcome to the Sensibility Podcast. We have an awesome guest to share with you today. This is Sarah Walton, all the way from Jersey in the US. It's it's 9pm her time, so I really appreciate that you've actually uh, taken the time to have a chat with me. Oh, hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really happy to be here and I'd stay up late for you anytime. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, I was saying offline how I'm absolutely loving your podcast. It's it's, um, your podcast is called, I just had a, she's the I game on girlfriend podcast that's yeah it. no it's all good because i'm it's looking coffee with coach and it just threw me in. i was like hang on that's not what it's called uh yes <laughs> game on girlfriend and i did learn a little bit about basketball on one of your podcasts because i you know being an australian we don't we're more cricket football like nrl so it was actually it was good it's it's so definitely definitely tune into her podcast now sarah's um got quite a bio here so i'm just going to jump off and get you to share a bit about yourself. You're also a coach, but you do so much more. So Sarah, I'm going to let you share who you are and what you're all about. Well, thanks, Amy. That's so nice of you. Um, Yeah, so I call myself a success coach and an intuitive business mentor because everybody's always selling like, I've got this method. I do this one thing and then money magically falls on your head. And I'm like, no. And I don't have one method because I don't know what someone needs until I talk to them. And it is a little bit instinctual on my part in that I can look at somebody and be like, oh, you're actually afraid that if you succeed, you're going to show up your mom and she's going to be mad at you. And now you're five and now you're worried and you're not going to do what you need to do today. And they're like, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know. So that's why I call it an intuitive business coach because there's things that come up. I can't predict, or we don't foresee until we're actually in having conversations about why someone isn't making money or their business isn't taking off, but they know they have the goods, that kind of a feeling. Um, And talking about money and healing our relationship to money is one of my all-time favorites. Um, My quick origin story is I was raised incredibly poor, like really, really poor. There were times where we literally had, you know, a half a loaf of bread in the cupboard that my mom had made and like a jar of honey. And that was the end of the list, like legitimately the end of the list. And as I grew up, I really wanted to dance. So it was just something that meant so much to me. And finally, in my teenage years, I was able to try out for the high school dance team and I made it and I was so excited and everybody knew it was like this big celebration. And then we got the letter about the dance costumes and how much they were going to cost. And I was like, you've ever had Amy, like one of those experiences where you feel like you leave your body and you're like watching something happen to someone else. Uh I mean, I remember holding that letter and it was like the floor dropped out and I was like, who is this happening to again? Like, wait, what? And I, you know, in that moment, I was so terrified, but I didn't let it stop me. And I got a job at the mall. And when I went to cash my first check, we had to go to a grocery store. And, you know, my mom said to me, as we were walking in, she said, listen, the strawberries are on sale. Can we get some? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm thinking about how much my costumes cost and I'm thinking about the strawberries and I'm like, yeah, we can do, but okay. Okay. So I get my check cashed and I go to find my mom and my younger brother and I can't find them. And finally I see them and they're in line with a cart full of groceries and it's a cart full of groceries. I know she can't pay for. And it's like lunch meat for my brother's lunches and bread and his favorite breakfast cereal and some milk and the strawberries. And I'm standing there in the grocery store, Amy. And I'm like, I can pay for this costume I've wanted since I was five years old, or I can pay for the groceries. 
that my family needs, but I can't do both. Yeah. 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 What a conundrum. And it just was sort of this moment where I was like, yet no, this doesn't happen anymore to women in my world. And that really, it like lit this fire in me where it was like, I don't want anyone to be my mom's position. I don't want anyone to be in my position. Right. And here we are in this world where women are constantly choosing between what they really want the most. Right. That that dance costume and this goal I'd had for so many years and there it was slipping away or what your family needs. And we are acting all the time like that is a zero sum game. And I am fighting for all of us to recognize that is a false paradigm. And you might say, but Sarah, you need the money. And I'll be like, "Uh uh-huh. But until you heal that relationship to money and recognize that there is always money. Absolutely. That has to be part of your life. And then the false paradigm can fall away. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it's like I was, I'm reading, I'm always reading. You must think some, anyone was to see my book shelf. They just think I'm a self-help junkie, but I'm reading how to get out of the money game at the moment. And one of the things Mm. he said in that concept of, you know, money is, it's just completely, we, we we're taught a lie really. And there's, it's, the abundance is just always there for us, for the taking at any time. We've got to heal. We've got to do the work. It's not like just think and literally grow rich. And then that is a great book, but there is so much work in between. But just yeah. as so, as long as that sun is shining, it might be a cloudy day. The sun is still there. I love right. that analogy. And yeah, I love what you're talking about. At the end of the day, we women have often, and I know I've been a single mom of three boys and, um, you know, a startup business and having to make these tough choices and go, well, I can't invest money into the business today because I've got, you know, we've got the football fees, we've got their uniforms, we've got, you know, yes. a school camp coming up, whatever, you know, and it's, it's one or the other, but there is, there is opportunity to have it all. There is the yes. cake and eat it too. And the cake does not run out. That's the thing. That's the whole thing. And I think a lot of the time we have money and time confused. People like put it off, like I'll start that tomorrow. I'll start that tomorrow. Like there's always time. And one of the things we've all learned in lockdowns, right? All of the various lockdowns we've all lived through now is that, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised that tomorrow's going to look the way yesterday looked, like either today looks like, like that is not the reality. And so we act like we have time forever and money is scarce. And it's actually the other way around, right? Money is infinite and time is the only thing we can't consistently recreate for ourselves. And so sort of getting that straight in our heads can just be life altering, like absolutely change the way that we view things on a daily basis. I think it's really important we start to kind of embrace that conversation and see where we can tweak things in our own lives to be more respectful of our time. Mm. And then to understand that money will continue to come to us as long as we're adding value to the world. Absolutely. That is so, that is, that is the key, isn't it? The value part as well. So I'm curious, obviously you would have had to go at that point and buy the groceries. Yes. Everybody always asks, wait. (laughs) So I did, I ended up buying the groceries and true to amazing women. Um, one of my best friends, moms found out what happened and she paid for my dance costume, which was amazing. Now I have been telling this story for 150 million years, it feels like, right. And, um, and in 2019, um, I live very far away from, from where I was raised. I'm about two, 2000 miles away from where I was raised. And, um, 
I decided to host a conference in my hometown. And I called her and said, would you mind coming to the opening day as my guest? And will you come up to the front of the room when I call you? And she was like, what? This woman saved my life, right? And this is what we women do to each other. And I was so happy I got to bring her up in front of the room and say, this is the woman. You guys who've heard this story before, you've heard me tell the grocery store story. You've heard me talk about a woman who stepped up and bought my costume for, this is her. And it was like, not a dry eye. It was amazing. And she passed away very suddenly six months later. Oh my gosh. And I was so grateful. Like I burst into tears the second I saw her. But now anytime I think of that incredible moment that I had that ability and opportunity to thank her publicly and it's on video. And like, I mean, life hands us some of the most amazing experiences when we are in the flow of abundance, when we are expecting wonderful things to happen, when we're working really hard, like that conference was not easy to put on, right? <laughs> like that yeah. takes work, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And I just think if we can all sort of tap into that and remember that when we are really listening to the nudges, when we're doing the work that's required to make things successful, magical moments can show up. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're open to it. I mean, being in a space of gratitude is actually being open to actually having more because it's that lifting our vibration. I often talk about that, but we're in a place of um, I guess openness and more a part of the collective, more a part of a universal mm-hmm. um, position that it's sort of all of a sudden the lens comes off. And it's like when I walk, I walk around and I have the walk of gratitude. I see, I start seeing more and more and more and more to be grateful for. The one yeah. step is like, oh, how look, it looks how beautiful those um, green leaves are. And then all of a sudden I'm starting to see butterflies and I'm starting to see, it's like my my Raz has just opened up to the beauty of nature all of a sudden because I've started to say I'm really grateful for seeing this and more and more. And that's basically what happens in life, right? It sort of compounds to more opportunity. Actually, I'm going to be okay and say, yes, please, I would like you to help me out. As opposed, you could have done the opposite. You could have gone into victim mode and gone, uh-uh, no, this is happening to me and not actually taken, um, taken that gift that it was. Yeah you've totally flipped it and gone, I'm going to receive the gift and be absolutely grateful and see that this is a life-changing situation for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And yeah, gratitude's magical. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. It just changes. I mean, even if you're sad or upset, if you say two things you're grateful for, it's amazing and it's free and it's always accessible. <laughs> gratitude's just amazing. It's such an inc- incredible tool. Well, it changes the entire our physical and chemical process. It changes everything. So if we're in a sort of slum, it you know I know we're digressing by the way, but it's okay. But um, if uh, we, you know if if we're in a bit of a slum, I think the first thing you should be doing is going. You know what? I still got the roof over my head. You know what? I'm actually grateful that even though this, whatever it may be, this client's been a pain in the ass or this bill's occurred, the fact is I'm earning money to pay that bill. And every, and I, that's one of the things I teach is every bill you get, you have created. So you've got to be grateful for that creation because it, it's obviously paying for the, you know, the roof over your head or the electricity or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you, that shifts because all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's not a shitty, excuse my language, situation. Yeah. I did create this. This is part of my reality. I still have to turn the lights on. I've got to pay for the phone bill. I've got the internet. It might not be the best timing, but I put this into my world and I'm enjoying it. So I may as well be grateful for it. 
Love that. Amy, that's gorgeous. I've never heard anybody say it like that before. And I love it. Brilliant. You can use that. That's good. <laughs> now, I wanted to get you on today because you were going to talk to us about the three myths that are keeping you broke. Mm, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is that like the craziest title? The I three myths that are keeping you broke. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Everybody's like, tell me, oh, my gosh. So um, I've changed this slightly, but I always love to cite sources. So I really learned about this. I want to say about 15 years ago, it's in a book called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And um, it is, if you haven't read it, oh my gosh, you guys run. It's it's older now, right? It's dated, but so is Think and Grow Rich is what you mentioned too, right, Amy? Like, but there's something so lovely and gentle and wise about this book that I love. And so I've kind of tweaked the three myths that she talks about in the book just a little bit, but not that much. And I really always want to sort hi, let me try to talk. I only do that for a living. Anyway, what I was saying was, um, <laughs> I always like to cite where things originally come from because you know that can happen a lot in the coaching industry where people pretend they came up with everything themselves. And I'm not a fan of that. So Lynn Twist, The Soul of Money is where this originated for me. And the first myth is there's not enough, right? And we've already sort of touched on this, but mm. one of my favorite examples, and there is a video of me I act this out sometimes. I, I tend to try to think I'm a stand-up comic. I'm not, but I pretend. Um, I play one on YouTube sometimes. But um, there's this, this game. Do you guys have the game Musical Chairs in Australia? Yes. Do you do this to your children? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this game blows my mind that here we are. We're going to teach children <laughs> that there's not enough through a game. Crazy, and right? I've not even thought about it like out, that. I know. We don't, but what we're passing on is you better get yours and I don't care if you have to knock your best friend out of the way, get it. Right? How crappy is that, wow. right? And then we have these children running around going, I don't want to be the idiot who's out in the cold. I got to get a chair. Oh my god, I got to What the hell? Right? But that's what we're doing to our children and it's a quote-unquote game, right? So it's funny and it's cute. It's like what are we doing? And this idea that there's not enough, what at least I say in the States for sure, where we are disgustingly um, overfed, right? And over everything to that we are, we're such consumers. And I think the whole world has sort of bought into that as well. But what I say here in the States is, um, you know, the next time you feel like there's not enough, I'd like for you to look at a garbage can at an amusement park. Yeah. I mean, it's gross. And there's enough. Right. But while we're there and we're consuming, 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 oh, and now I want this and now I want that. No, I want this. And you can't even eat it all because you're so stuffed. But the myth that there's not enough has you running around trying to get more all the time. And it's not real. There's enough. Now, we don't always distribute things the best way that we could as a planet and as a species. And that's on us. And I talk very seriously about that being a driving force for me. Yes, there's my grocery store moment. But if women were running and handling, right, if the amount of money that's circulating around the world was in the hands of more women, I don't think we would choose to drop bombs on other people's children. Um, I think we would choose to drop food. I think we would make sure they have water. I think we'd make sure they have medical supplies. I could be wrong but I don't think so. And anytime I say that in a room full of women, it's like this stunned silence for a second of like, holy shit. Yeah, we totally would not do that. And that to me is, is one of the biggest reasons we've got to get these money stories handled because that if there's not enough is what's driving these wars. 
right? It's what's driving this mentality that we have to get ours. They're going to get, it's like, what are you talking about? There is enough. We are not distributing it properly. And this idea that someone could own it or not own it is very strange when we stop and think going back to the abundance idea, right? Like, could you imagine if someone decided tomorrow they wanted to claim sunshine as theirs? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you, you, you can't do that. But we've done that with water. Yeah. And we've done that with trees and we've done that with land. And I know this conversation can get kind of heady, but you want to understand the next time you're in a store, <laughs> right? Or you're watching someone else and you're in that competitive, crappy brain space that all of us can get onto on social media or whatever's happening for you. And you're having this fight with yourself that there's not enough. Take it back to the heady conversation of, wait, who said that I had to own that? Or who said I had to be like that? Or who said I had to run my business like that? Or who said my home had to look like that? And start to question this idea, these false ideas that we have, that you need more than what you have, that you don't have enough. And so that's that first myth. And it bleeds beautifully right into the second myth, which is more is better. Mm. Right. So if there's not enough, of course, it would follow that more is better because there's not enough. So you better get you right. And now you're in this. Now you're in another vicious cycle where even though you now have enough, more is always better. So you don't have enough yet. And they feed off of each other. They go back and forth and back and forth. I mean, they get us into this crazy cycle of looking like crazy people. Um, so true. And it really is right. Like you can see how that just feeds. Well, but if someone's a millionaire, yeah, but a million and one is better. It's like, damn oh, it. Then, right? <laughs> the millionaire looks to the yeah. billionaire. That's right. Right. And it just That's keeps, right. it's just, I see this, I see this. It does happen. Like you can, yeah. I was listening to a podcast on this very, you know, conversation. It is actually a cycle that we are getting into. And I know I'm sort of going off topic a little bit, but just before March of last year, when the world started shutting down, mm-hmm. People were going crazy at the supermarkets. I don't know if you noticed that he, where you were, but people yes. started hoarding things like toilet paper. And it was yes. actually on the news. And it's like Australians were going crazy for toilet paper. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with everybody? Yeah. Yeah. But this is a perfect example of, you know, society going crazy because of this fear. Exactly what you're saying is mm-hmm. this fear of there's not enough. And then more, you know, hang on, I, I think we could go, oh, we're going to go into lockdown for the next, you know, 20 weeks. Who knows how long it was going to be? Um, it was actually, I think, about three months. And mm. But we knew that the supermarkets aren't closing. That was an essential service. Yeah, other, right. other like restaurants and bars, they were going to close, but we're not going to run out of toilet paper, people, so what the hell? Like, why yeah. are we doing this? But yeah. then it wasn't just I'm going to go and get my normal toilet paper. I'm going to get my toilet paper and more. And just in case, just for good measure, a little bit more on that. So I'm walking out with just like more than Mm -hmm. I can fit into my trolley. It's just, it was insane. So that was a perfect analogy for what you're just saying. And I I saw it firsthand. I think the whole world saw it last year. Yeah, no, I think that's right. It was a brilliant, that was a brilliant example of it. And it was like, what is happening? And the crazy thing about these myths is that no one even explicitly says it, right? No one sits you down and says, by the way, Amy, there's not enough, <laughs> right? That's not how it happens. It happens through games like musical chairs. Yeah. It happens through stories on the news. Like you said, that story was on the news. Um, and this fear-based society that we live in, and it just gets perpetuated that way. So 
when there is a moment to panic, we'll fall back on those because we've been breathing them in since the second we were born. And so that's where we go. And then you throw in this weird paper thing that we like to pass around called money and people lose their minds, right? And it really is. And you watch, you watch your parents go through it. You watch your family go through it. You watch the poor kid in school go through it. You watch this happen to so many people and it starts to feel real. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and I love that about bills because people go, but Sarah, I have bills. I'm like, yeah, that's right. So heal your relationships so that you can pay them and be in integrity because the more that we start to pair, like share that money out and actually do that with integrity and do it on time and do it with care and with love, the more people will do that back with us as well. And that's why I loved so much what you said about, let's talk about the opportunity here. Let's talk about what you did. And let's talk about the fact that you asked for that bill. <laughs> and we know you did because you have it, right? So it's this amazing idea that we are participating in this. But so much of it has just been shoved down our throats without us realizing it, that we're doing 90% of it unconsciously. Yeah. Well, uh, the, it is all pretty much our, our subconscious and unco unconscious um, programming, right? So you sort yeah. of brought it up. Our parents did it. And then we're going we're, from the moment we're born, we're absorbing all this, these messages. And whether we actually are consciously aware of the messages that we've absorbed from our childhoods and whether we came from a household full of abundance where, you know, parents were sort of doing really well or whether we came from um, a household where you were just constantly struggling, there is still this underlining message, exactly what you said, that there's not enough and there's not, um, or more is, well, there's this need for more and more and more. Right. And this has created this society in which we live in. And it's also in a society of instant gratification. So it's any wonder that we all are messed up with our money stories and, our mess, you know, it's like, duh, it's actually quite obvious. But when you're in it and you're wondering what the hell is going on, why, why am I earning good money, but I've got nothing to show for it? Or, yeah. you know, I have this brilliant idea and yet for some reason, my business isn't taking off how I expected. Why aren't people knocking on the door, emailing me? Why, why is this, this launch that I've just done? And the guy online who told me this was the pure way and I'd get millions of dollars by launching this way didn't work. It's all oh, because gosh. of the subconscious programming. It's, you know, it's, it's really, it's what really, yeah, it is. It, um, it is. And those guys, by the way, just side note to anyone listening, this is always my favorite thing. I just have to, I can't help but Listen, guys, if someone had unlocked the magic way to make millions of dollars every single time, no matter what, we'd all be billionaires. Okay. It always takes work and it always takes tweaking and it's never the first time. So just hang on to your hats and glasses. Anytime you hear that side note, PSA over, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the third myth, I just want to say this third myth, you guys, this is what keeps all of this locked in. This is what keeps this from evolving past where we've been before. And this last myth is that's just the way it is. That idea, I was just having this conversation with my son where he's like, yeah, but you know, the, the test was hard and that's just the way it is. I was like, oh dear, no. Okay. That is true that it is hard, but your response to it doesn't ever have to be just the way it is. The response can always be, what can I learn from this? What could I have done more? What did I spend time on? Maybe that wasn't as helpful as I thought it was going to be. What can I grow? What can I use to grow from this? And I think anytime we find ourselves and we all do it, because again, this is a myth we were born into as well as well, that's just the way it is. You know, here in the States, it's like, well, 
you're born into a political party and that's just the way it's like insanity that there can't be growth from that. And in thank God for all the people, all the inventors, right? All these like just ingenious people who see the way things are and say, ah, but let's not keep them there. And they're the ones that we always, you know, throw accolades at and remember and talk about as these amazing people. But we have to kind of look at ourselves and challenge anywhere we think that's just the way it is. And that can be in any way, right? That can be the way we are in relationships. It can be the way we are with our money, the way we are in our businesses, the way we are in our community, in our neighborhood, or the way that we respond to a shortage of toilet paper or perceived shortage of toilet paper. That's not even real, that that mm -hmm. idea of like, oh, well, that's just the way it is, right? Because we were born into these myths, so we just have to keep it there. And that that's why this third myth is so insidious because it kind of creeps in there. It makes you think, well, just give up. It's okay. That's just the way it's going to be. So let's just stay there. And that's why conversations like this are so important because we can start to say, oh, that is the way it is, but maybe we don't have to keep it there. Absolutely. Only yeah. way we can forge forward is to leverage on some, you know, we can stay with that's the way it is, or we can actually push and step up. Stepping up is being accountable, like you're saying with your son. Stepping mm. up is going, how do I change this way? You know, I was just interviewing um, a woman who is make, forging change with a gender pay gap, you know. Yeah. We yeah. all are responsible for positive change. That's yes. how we invest our money. We can actually invest our money through ethical investment or for comfort with companies that actually fair pay or have, you know, fair, amazing women on their boards. And, you know, there's, there, we actually are in the powerful seat when it comes yeah. to our situation. We can make choices. Yeah. I think that's why I just keep going back to your bill conversations. The coolest thing I've ever heard. Cause yeah, we make those choices and we can make more choices and new choices and different choices and better choices and learn from the bad choices and then make them again one more time just to make sure, but we can do that. And I love what you're saying about how, um, honestly, we need to own the fact that we are in the driver's seat. We have the power seat and, um, shrugging and saying, that's just the way it is. puts you all the way in the back. Absolutely. I guess you've got to come to the point where if you're in a situation where you are broke, um, mm. sort of back to the topic of, you know, what, what are the myths that keep us broke? Mm. There's usually that trigger point of, I can't keep doing this. I don't mm. want to be like this anymore. I'm sick mm. and tired of going up to the shopping mall and walking past that dress shop and not being able to afford it. Mm -hmm. there's got to be that point where you go enough is enough mm. so what do we do about that how do we start <laughs> moving forward once we've actually got to the point where we're sick to death of the excuses sick to death of this thing stuck yeah I love that well here's here's what I say to people always so when you're looking around and you're recognizing that you are not where you want to be and you're looking out in the world and you're like how did they do it what's going on there how come they're successful, right? And that can turn into hate, which we never want to do. We always want to look at that and be like, wow, what's happening there? So great. And what I'll say is when you're in a position where you're not as successful as you want to be, you can look at other people and there's only two reasons, two, there's only two reasons someone is in a position you're not in. They either know something you don't know, or they are doing something you're not doing. And the great news is both of those are fixable. Mm. especially with the access to the internet. So if you're in that moment of what in the actual hell, how did I get here? And I don't want to be here anymore. Look to somebody else 
who has been successful in the area you want to be successful in, right? So if your neighbor can go in into the dress shop and buy those clothes or somebody you look up to who's telling the truth online, like not like the pretend, oh, I have a million dollars, but I really just rented a jet and this is someone else's dress. No, people who've actually done it for real, right? Like people who are really like looking at their money and enjoying the beautiful talent and exquisite details that go into a beautiful dress that someone else has created, right? Now they're honoring somebody else's talents and that's how they're viewing their money and you're watching them spend it that way and you're like, oh my gosh. And then they take such great care of the possessions they have. If you see someone like that, ask yourself, what do they know that I don't know? And what are they doing that I'm not doing? And chances are you can figure that out, especially with the access that we have to each other and to the internet right now and all of the knowledge is out there and success leaves clues. I forget who first said that. I think it was Tony Robbins. I'm not sure, but success leaves clues. And it does. It's like brilliant phrase. So when you are in that moment, look around and say, all right, who got out of this? Because the great thing about being a human being right now. Is there how many, how many billions of us now? What are we? 7 billion, nine, I, there's lots of billions of people, there's a lot right? of people, <laughs> lots of people. <laughs> so the great news is you are not the first person to be going through what you're going through. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if you just got the phone call with the diagnosis. I don't care if it's the divorce. I don't care if you just found out one of your children is sick. Like all, like literally you cannot at this point be the only person going through what you're going through and you can find the people who found their way through whether it's money, illness, joy, success, happiness, whatever it is you're searching for, I think it's time for humanity to start to turn towards each other and to understand that no one's better at you than anything or more special than you. They just know something you don't know or they're doing something you're not doing. And you can change both of those things almost instantly these days. That is brilliant advice. Brilliant <laughs> I advice. Hope that, I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean... One, one piece of advice I was given by a coach of mine years ago um, was very, very similar to that. And it was take, the, if you're watching somebody really successful, take them out for lunch, go and have a coffee with them. In, in this day and age, okay. you can actually do the same by just going on, on the internet and actually mm-hmm. looking at their profile. And you, as you said, success leaves, um, it leaves a trail of stories. It's not just, there's not just one ingredient, there's multiple ingredients, but if you follow somebody, you can get on Instagram, start following them, be, a, be their fan in a positive way, not in a comparing way. That's, that's a slippery slope, but in a positive way, because you're saying they've, they've made it. What have they done? It's such a powerful message. I really appreciate that. Um, Sarah, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. Let's get and, more. Let's get more women doing cool things. Yes. Yeah. And look, I, I um, I mean, again, I also something also resonated with me. Then, you know, you said even if it's a diagnosis, and some horrible things can happen to us. Mm-hmm. But humans aren't. We're not designed to be psychopaths to go out there and destroy each other. So, we all have empathy. We actually all have this, you know heartbeat for each other and love in this universe actually we've seen miracles happen um all all throughout history so i would be one thing i think about if someone's been diagnosed with something there are self-help there are groups there's facebook groups there's support there's people out there ready to pick up the phone or send you a message and support you with whatever you're going through i just had a diagnosis for myself and i was just thinking a a pmdd sort of you know i Mm. female issue but that one week of my cycle is hell it's not easy Mm -hmm. for my entire family but 
I thought I was going crazy until I found this group. And it was like the best thing for me to do was find a community of women that absolutely were on my my back, were on my side and gave me really cool alternative ways to deal and change uh, my current situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly it, Amy. And isn't that brilliant? Like we are all here to help each other. And I think we're at this pivotal moment where I love what you said, like we weren't designed to destroy each other, but we're acting like that. It's like the nastiest person on social media wins. I'm like, I'm sorry, what are we winning at again? I'm sorry. I don't understand. Meanwhile, we have all of this exquisite knowledge from our own experiences that can make somebody else's life so fantastic and so much easier. And like we're saying, even with less pain or to find a solution faster. I mean, that like, that's priceless and we all have access to it. And I'm so glad you shared that because I think, you know, who knows, there's probably someone listening who's like, oh my God, I just got that call or whatever. You're not alone. And, and it's such a time for us to turn to each other, to guide each other, to support each other and to be there. This is like, this is the time people. Absolutely. I think we also need to acknowledge that when we're looking at others' success, we can fall into that myth trap of wanting more or comparing. And we've got to actually look at it as admiration of space of and hold a positive space for that instead of comparing, because that's just, it's, it's, it's only serving your ego that's trying to keep you safe mm-hmm. and stuck where you really are, where you currently are. It's not going to do anything. So you've got to be really aware. Is this serving me properly? Or is this, you know what I mean? We've got to ask these questions because we get all this, this frame, like I sort of look at it as scaffolds. We get this scaffolding right and reframe our thinking. We frame, you know, where we're heading because we're, you know, beginning, if you think the beginning of this podcast, we talked about, we, you know, we get stuck. We, because that's the way it is. We want to change then we've got to rebuild, reframe. We've got to lay new foundation. So every time we're doing that, we've got a question, is this activity, is this thought, is this actually serving me? Or is it my ego keeping me stuck and safe? Because that's the way it is. That's right, 100%. And I think there's also, I think we have to remember, I teach this a lot, but I'm just going to say it because I think it's so cool. So our brains take up 80% of our body's energy on a day-to-day basis, 80%. That's a lot of percent. And so they're t- it's taking up 80% of our body's energy on a daily basis. So it's constantly looking for how to be more efficient. And the way that it becomes more efficient is it creates tighter and tighter neural pathways. So that means it rewards you for having the same thought over and over and over because it's keeping the brain efficient. So you have to understand when you ask that question, which is so brilliant, is this actually serving me? You want to have a lot of empathy and compassion for yourself. I'm not saying stay there at all, but understand you are actually starting to work against the brain while it heals and creates new neural pathways for you, right? So you start looking at somebody who like to do the, the compare and despair thing that we all do, right? That what's going on in your head, the ego right, has created so many neural pathways that are firing before you even know what's happened. And so as we're working to support our brain in opening up new pathways, just know that that can take a little bit of time. So please be gentle with yourself while you do that. Because sometimes what can happen is the ego comes in a new way and goes, see, you can't do it the way Amy said, see, 
You, and now like it's the same neural pathway kicking in of like, see, you're not as good as them. You can't do it the way they are. You're not going to be as successful, right? So it's that same voice. It just changes a little bit. So it tricks you. So I just want to tell people, I love sharing that information because it's scientific. And like, now you have something to fall back on. It's not your fault that this is harder to do than you think it we all are like, dude, just change your thoughts. What's your problem? <laughs> and it's like, it takes a little bit of time. It's totally possible. Like, and that's yes. not just the way it is, right? I'm not saying that at all. I just want people to understand when you start to embark on this, that being gentle and having patience is part of the winning formula. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much in here. I'm, I'm aware that we could talk for a good two hours or three hours. There's so much in here <laughs> that I would just go, okay, so... When we're talking neuroplasticity, because that's really what it is, we're basically mm -hmm. rewiring the brain and you just also knocked another one there on our energy and emotional energy, sort of how that also in alignment mm -hmm. when we're being positive and we're doing the right things, we can then, that's where the magic truly happens. So coming back to these three myths, I think we need to do a second a second part of this <laughs> podcast, just so. When we I come know. back to these three myths, you're like, okay, now I understand why I potentially am stuck because my subconscious was developed in this sort of belief system, which actually has not been serving me my entire life. Now, what do I do? All right. We've mentioned a little bit and given you some clues on how you can do that. And I think your advice was definitely look to other people that have actually already succeeded in what they're doing. But then there's also that relationship with the money that needs to be repaired. And, and that clue there was, you know, some of that work is neuroplasticity. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> nailed there, it. Is, yes. there is actually so much more to this. I mean, it sounds so simple, right? What we just said, it's like, oh, this is, these are steps. But I guess the question is how deep do we know the wounds are you know, how do we find what our, what are really, what's really holding us back? Because so much of our thought process is the subconscious, which we really have no clue about. We don't know what's really going on under there unless we start digging into our history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that again, takes time as well. Um, and that is a conversation I would love to have with you. Um, yeah. I call those, I call that idea and really understanding how to heal money. There's a lot in there, but it's, um, I call it sort of like um, there's five five serious barriers that keep us from our upper limits. So I call these upper limit problems where we're really digging into our relationship with money. And you're like, but I can't break whatever it is. Like, let's say you're just starting out. You're like, I can't break 3000 a month. Like I can't. Every time I get close, somebody cancels or something gets it. And you're like, all right, so we have an upper limit problem here. And sometimes as we're going through life, it's easier to find those. And that's kind of where the healing can start. But for anybody listening, who's really wanting to start this journey right now, um, I would say, always remember your very first experience with money. The first time you held it or understood what it was, know what that is. And then the other question I love to ask people, and this is part of the upper limits conversation, but is, um, is me being successful, breaking an unspoken family rule. Mm -hmm. And usually that's where the healing can start. Yeah. That's a powerful one. Mm. And often not even considered subconscious. Yep. That's Absolutely. exactly when you said that I was like, yeah, no, that's really where the work is. And it's questions like that, that can help you get to it. Wow. 
Oh, this is, I think we have to get you back on the show and I'm going to offline organize that because I think we could actually really, <laughs> that we really just scratch the surface in this on this topic. But I think we've got these three myths that we all need to be really mindful of. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, I also wanted to say, I mentioned your podcast um, earlier, but if anyone's considering what's it like to get a coach or what's coaching all about, like uh, why would I need a coach? I recommend jump on Sarah's podcast because she gives you nuggets of coaching through the podcast, which is really cool. So it's not just conversations like this, which I love to have. I sort of want to weed out your, you know, so I'm like trying to weed out your knowledge so that my listeners can go away and go, Oh, I'm just sort of, we are getting some money coaching in here. This is sort of a money coaching 101 sort of session really. But there's so much more to it. And mm. I would be recommending people check you out, have a look at what your podcast's about, and definitely come back on my show and talk more about this because this is brilliant. Oh, I, anytime. Oh my gosh, you bet. It's such a joy. It's so great when conversations are, are so honest like this, like when we really get in and start talking about stuff. I love it. I also wanted to ask one more because I kind of jumped straight into what we wanted to talk about today before we finish up. Um, where you went with once you uh, bought your groceries and you did your dancing, where did that go? Where, where, do you still dance? In the kitchen a lot, <laughs> much to my children's chagrin. Yes, I do. <laughs> and at any stoplight in anywhere in North America, you can find me dancing in my car. Yes. It's a bit like me singing. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just telling the truth. Yeah, no, it's so, dancing is just wonderful, but yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's a good way of, um, lifting your vibration, your energy. Actually, before I went on my last podcast, I was feeling a bit bleh, And I just mm. said to my um, podcast buddy before we interviewed uh, Maggie, let's just jump up and down, move around, just, you know, just get a bit more excitement because we were a bit bleh, on a, I know it's Wednesday morning, but it just for me feels like a Monday morning today mm. um, because of the week we've had here in, in Sydney, we had Melbourne Cup yesterday. So most of us weren't working, having champagne ah, lunches and whatnot. So it was a bit very big. important. Yes. 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 <laughs> big deal. Big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. It's like the race and stops the nation. Any excuse for us Aussies not to work is uh, basically reality. <laughs> I don't know that I buy that, but I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> anyway, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and as I said, I'm going to put everything in the show notes. So reach out to, um, Sarah or through me. Um, and if you like share, I think this was brilliant. Um, and I, I just, I honestly do think we just scratched the surface. So watch this space. We'll get you back. I love it. Happy to come back anytime. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Before you go, I want to remind you that everything discussed is general in nature. We are unaware of your personal circumstances, so the information we have discussed may not be right for you. It is important to consider your personal situation and seek financial advice from a licensed advisor. Amy Baker is an authorised representative of Lifestyle Asset Management Propriety Limited, Australian Financial Service Licence 288241. Recap Advice is a trading name of Recap Enterprises Propriety Limited, ABN 22607854240, a corporate authorization, authorized representative of Lifestyle Asset Management, AFSL 288241. I would also like to acknowledge 
the Bidigal and Gadigal people who are the traditional custodians of this land. I would like to pay respects to the elders, both past and present of the Bidigal and Gadigal nations and extend that respect to other Aboriginal pe people. Thank you for listening and don't forget to share the love by sharing this podcast. Have a wonderful day wherever you are.